One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Steve, you get off your phone. We've got right. a podcast to record. All right, okay, podcasting. Here this will actually be the introduction for The Wind-Up. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Stevie Ward. Hello. Hello. You've got various credits to your voice over the years, whether it be the, the voice of the E4 woman or voices of various video game stars over the years as well. Yeah, it tends to be, I tend to get cast as um, voice of computer. So I do a lot of, <laughs> I can't let you do that, Scott. Or, That's kind of weird. Yeah, or for E4 it was... Um, Gift Gaff sponsors entertainment on E4. <laughs> I guarantee that we've just sent a, a portion of the audience back through time about 20 years <laughs> when that was active. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is the wind up the podcast that usually starts the week. I missed it yesterday because as you can maybe tell from my pipes, I'm still recovering, still a little bit ill, so a little bit nasal, but oh. I've got enough energy and I'm not transmittable right now. So I've came in and um, Stevie, well, thank you so much for diving on this podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Why not? It's, in the wind up, we go through whatever's going on in the industry. Me and you just recorded a little bit of a news video on uh, the state of the industry, the layoffs that are happening, even as we were recording it, literally, you can probably see it in the news video itself, your phone went off as an alert to say that even more layoffs had happened over a media molecule. Um, so we're going to cover various things that are happening in the industry. I want to talk about Star Citizen apparently finally being feature complete. Its <laughs> uh, <laughs> story component is apparently complete. And we also have some uh, artwork leaking for the new Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Red, and the Metal Gear Master Collection is out today, but apparently that thing is a bit of a buggy mess, and Hideo Kojima's not even on the credits. So what? Mwah. what's going on with that? Um, but we'll just touch on the layoff stuff um, because we did do a whole big video on it. But just what's going on? Why is why is the industry all over the place? Uh, again, like I think I, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but this does tend to be seasonal at this time of mm. year that layoffs do happen. Um, a lot of the games that will have shipped over the summer either have or haven't made the amount of bank that they are yeah. meant to make. And then a lot of the time studios do see... A, a round of layoffs, especially for um, like quality assurance teams and, and people that are really, really, really need to keep their jobs over Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it, it absolutely sucks, especially, I mean, obviously no studio is better than another studio, but my gosh, Media Molecule, there's so many talented, wonderful people there and Dreams was so damn Dream, We should give a shout out to Dreams. Oh my God. Dreams was the coolest idea that anyone's had for a game in quite some time. I'm led to believe that's what Roblox is in regards to being able to make other games. I don't know. I've not played Roblox, but that's some sort of game makey thing. But I really like that Dreams was had a really good way of teaching you the, the ways of building video games, like giving you a better understanding of the ways that things get rendered, movements, animations, etc. It was just so hard to get to grips with uh, for the average person. I think that it's one of these things that this generation's going to miss out from not having as mm. much. Like, I remember, it sounds really crazy, and it's going to show my age, but, like, I remember, like, Repton 3 had a, a level designer in it. I remember being, like, sitting What's around... What's Repton like, 3? Repton. What's that? Okay, if you're listening to this and you actually know what Repton is, you're the <laughs> coolest person alive, and I would like to buy you a pint. Mm. But, um, yeah, there was a level design in it, and Dreams, I think has been that for a, a generation of kid tween for that mm. 
And so, um, yeah, I'm super sad about that. And basically everyone at Media Molecule that thought outside the box to make that happen and, mm-hmm. and created such beautiful games. Um, Ooh, our, our, back, our backstage fire alarm's going off. I don't know if that's going to be on the recording or not, but I'm determined to keep going. We'll just see how I it happens. I kind of like it. I feel like it adds an air of intensity about this. <laughs> oh, my God, it's a zombie. Oh, my God, they're getting in the room. Get out of there. No. Get out of there. Get out of there. There's ah. a chance that this isn't actually going through on the micro- the recording itself. I There you go. See, I thought if I waited long enough, it would go off. Either they've all burnt to a crisp or either way, we're going to continue with the podcast. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I thought that was dedication that instead of actually trying to save our lives, we stayed on the podcast. Yeah, all for the content. Yeah. Um, I will give uh, Josh Brown a massive shout out as well. Brother is still uh, recovering in his own time. We'll be back as soon as he possibly can. But just all the love to Josh Brown. He's doing as much as he can um, and he might be back before the end of the year, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, in regards to the Media Molecule stuff and just how widespread the layoffs are, like we said in the video and as you said in general, like it is like an annual thing. It is a cyclical thing um, it feels like it's worse this year than ever I don't know yeah. if that's just because um, of the array of studios that it's affecting like even CDPR have let some staff go Naughty Dog have let some staff go and it is really notable like you know big studios like Media Molecule and it is projects like Dreams that weren't able to be either marketed correctly or they weren't d- discussed correctly or whatever it was you could see that game had so much promise and I remember putting it in um, you know Overlook Gems of the Year back in like 2019 or whatever it was um, but they just it just didn't come together like it's not like there was a PC version where people could have exported their creations or whatever um, because it was one of those things where the people who got stuck into Dreams did make incredible games like and even visually they looked some of them looked like AAA stuff mm-hmm. um, and for whatever reason they just they just couldn't find a way to like extend that properly and make it fully work or whatever but I think overall looking back on it like it is a it was a fascinating attempt at something like, like for the most part worked Maybe in the circles that it found you're also going up against the behemoth that is Minecraft um, mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to like something that's accessible that gets the kids talking about that I mean for the it's dominated most of it, like you're saying, Roblox, like these things have dominated what what kids are getting into when it comes Mm -hmm. to creativity and they want to do what each other are doing. And I think having that exclusivity makes things difficult Mm -hmm. as well for everyone to get involved with that. I always thought like anything like that, because I I mean, I had the first two Little Big Planets and then it was that whole idea of like, I'm going to get this. And it's like, I love the aesthetic and everything. Like I've still got like a little Sackboy key ring. And it's like, I always loved Sackboy. Yeah. Like I always loved everything about that. But it was like, it always felt like you were on that high high bar of like, oh, I need to spend time making the fun. And it's like, I know over time and even in dreams that like you can do, um, it's like called dream surfing where you can just, you can just search for what's already available and go play a few levels of something. And that was really cool. Um, but it is one of those things where Media Molecule like have a history of really delving into like the make your own fun kind of stuff. And that, yeah. that definitely finds an audience, but it's hard. And then it's, it's hard seeing something like Roblox take up, take off so much. And it's like, oh, that could have been you guys. Or like that maybe could have been like a, a wing of what you were putting together could have been in that conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either way, um, we, we reported on it or we're reporting on it now, but it is uh, breaking across the day and it, like I said on the video itself I remember your phone lighting up and it was that news story yeah. as we were literally talking about layoffs yeah. because those headlines are everywhere um, speaking of something that's been everywhere Star Citizen <laughs> that's somehow still a thing um, and the news breaking as we came in to record this is that the single player campaign is apparently finally feature complete now the Kickstarter started way back in 2012 it did predates were, me were even... you a Kickstarter backer no I wasn't but I, I remember it was like such a huge <laughs> deal and like I remember all of the like you know as soon as they showed the trailer I remember Mark Hamill being in it and it was yeah. like, oh my god, what the hell is this thing? Yeah. Um, anyway, it predates No Man's Sky being mentioned, yeah. like uh, Elite Dangerous, like that whole idea of that big space ex- 
exploration game um, that like I always thought this thing looked really really cool well, but then, it didn't predate every big space exploration no. let us be clear as the ex-CCP employee in the house okay, okay. online obviously had been going on for uh, quite, quite a few years before right. Star Citizen came out just, to, just no to totally I just mean in terms of like, the buzz that like No Man's Sky got where it was like oh this is a whole galaxy maybe it was just the console side of things where like we hadn't really got on the console side we hadn't had something that was like go live in this space it feels like No Man's yeah. Sky was a big talking point because of that yeah and then Star Citizen um, you know like, like you said predates everything um, but finally feature complete 11 years later <laughs> what's your thoughts Siri I don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> no I was excited because like I thought like, I was like they were like the alpha is done I was like it's been an it's always been an alpha right Isn't it always been an alpha <laughs> um, but I'm excited my my main thing that I'm calling is that I think all of the tech NFT bras are gonna mm. head over to Star Citizen now that NFTs are uh, uh, kind of begin people are beginning to realize it's bad I thought the whole market crashed for that stuff it was yeah. like I'm sure the the highest value people was like still pushing yeah um but I think I think what would be cool is that if they all went move over to Star Citizen start <laughs> buying big ships um start trading ships like wouldn't that be cool I want it would to it? work yeah well no but I want it to <laughs> I want it to work I am a they need some work I'm a huge fan of the sci-fi universe especially single shroud sci-fi obviously mm. working on Eva I, I have to love that stuff mm-hmm. and honestly like the Star Citizen community I have been to meetups mm-hmm. um for them uh, with special effect and stuff like that and they are just the loveliest loveliest people the devs are absolutely lovely as cool. well we should mention because I mentioned I don't know if I introduced you on this podcast as industry veteran Stevie Ward which is your full name at this point <laughs> um, but I did on the news video um, but we were writing down um, all the different things that you've worked on or been part of or whatever as yeah. well as right now PC Game a Future Game Show but um, we wrote down a bunch of stuff Games Master back on Channel 4 yeah. and you had Eve Online Guitar Hero Live Jurassic World Aftermath being part of BAFTA Games special effect you're a special effect ambassador mm-hmm. there's a lot of different stuff there it's worth yeah. just throwing that in there as a little introduction yeah. to Stevie Ward yeah 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 that's me doing um, very well doing very well oh thanks yeah I'm just old don't worry about <laughs> it um, but you, but the yeah the lovely thing about that community and working with special effect the charity is that I got to hang out with a bunch of different communities and going to Star Citizen mm. it's like you I think you get this weird idea in your head about any games community being being different to what you're used to or right. like the sea of these people are different to the EVE Online people are different to the you know the Star Citizen mm-hmm, people. but mm-hmm. actually when you when you go and you meet them everyone's just absolutely lovely creative and just super passionate about that game and about it mm-hmm. coming out and about every iteration of it and the streamers are lovely shout out to Moist Noodle what an amazing <laughs> character like amazing content creator um, they're, they're, they're brilliant and they deserve to have their game and they deserve to have it come out and have all the success mm. I think that the contentious part is the discussion not about the fans um, but about how much you should or shouldn't be able to promise a community before a game ships which is mm. why it all became such a big deal in the first place and that they kept promising things and things and then nothing got made that's that's a thing to pick apart for a little bit because like the the whole Kickstarter thing like across the 2010s like there were so many high pro- well some high profile disasters like Goddess and Peter Molyneux's approach to stuff and then you can't <laughs> like Star Citizen taking ages but then you also have things like Bloodstained Ritual of the Night which like you know allowed like a Castlevania adjacent thing to come back together mm-hmm. but then that also makes me think of Mighty Number no. 9 which was the same approach to like a Mega Man game that obviously went sideways as well. But like, what's your thoughts on that stuff? Because like one, what's your thoughts on Kickstarter stuff and like the viability of it as like a general way of getting something made? And then in general with Star Citizen, what do you think happens next? Do you think they put out just a single player and that gets some goodwill if it's apparently feature complete or do they have to wait until the entire multiplayer shared online thing is also complete? Okay, let's take this Let's take this point. Bring it down. Point. Do the first point first and then we'll, <laughs> I'll talk to that and then because these are big, these yes. are big discussions. Give me Kickstarter thoughts. Kickstarter thoughts. Uh, I think that it was right time, right place. 
like just mm. when Kickstarter was 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 starting to get really really good for that kind of stuff, there was Star Citizen. Mm-hmm. And you don't often get to be in the right place at the right time for those bits and pieces. And I think that now looking at, you know, all the different stuff that's come up from that and people doing wanting to do, make D&D shows and have Kickstarters for those. And like people are realizing that it's a way to get things made that you would never have mm-hmm. been able to get made before. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter how ambitious you want it because of how stretch goals work and stuff like that. Um, I think it worked really well for the time. I'm wondering how long that, can last right. and I, I it, it sounds weird but when I talk to devs now like for example like we were saying with the layoffs and with different um big funding groups pulling out from different indie studios mm. which means that they can't make the games that they've been trying to make you know the, the, it comes up like can you can you do a kickstarter to keep your staff and the answer is no one wants to do a kickstarter right right indie studios don't they don't want to have to do that because uh, aside from different things I think the worry there is that you lose um your share price if people think mm. you don't have money to continue to develop a game or that your funding that you did have either through, you know, private equity or wherever it came from has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, people worry. People worry, why are you doing a Kickstarter? Like, well, did the last game not make enough money? And I, and a lot of studios are, are incredibly weary of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember but, thinking that when uh, Shenmue 3 got announced and it was on stage at one of the E3s of 2016 um, from Sony, but it was still a, a crowd-backed yeah. sequel and it was like well surely you guys Sega like surely you guys can make this work but they were leaning on it as well I think there's some really cute stuff there you can do when it comes to comms on on that stuff where it's like well this is this is a game that three three awesome people from our studio made in their lunch break <laughs> we, we, we will publish it if they manage to get it made mm-hmm. here's their kickstarter if you like the idea of um you know snakes wearing hats go and <laughs> go, go, go and put your money towards it because mm-hmm. we'll judge it based on what the community wants for something I think that works I think that like a certain level of production, it just makes it harder. You need to be able to pay your staff. Like yeah. if you're a two-person indie, then I, I I get it. If you're, you know, if if what you need is to make sure that you can pay yourself and you can pay your one person, then I, I get it. I think it 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 can be, and again, this is a generalization. This isn't for everyone. I think it can be incredibly irresponsible to just say like we're just going to fund our entire game studio mm. based on the Kickstarter mm-hmm. and the livelihood of the twenty people that I employ is going to be based on whether or not people just want to hand over their money for something i think in star citizens case people did yeah um yeah. because the, droves, the, yeah. The, the, the dream yeah the dream you know is real and it's what everyone's wanted since like eve online got there and, and sort of did this thing where you're going to be a big shot you're going to be in your own universe you're going to be able to to be seen as a big deal in this one world where you can be fully immersed in it which is all anyone's ever wanted from sci-fi you just want to be yeah. in it um but i Again, as I say, like I think it can be irresponsible to do that. I just think Star Citizen's been in the in the complete right place, right time to be able to do that from the ground up and have mm-hmm. people that were so passionate and believed so much in it um, <laughs> that it, 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 they are making it become a thing. And I, and I mean, I've seen I've seen I've seen how it looks. It looks great. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's always <laughs> you know, looked mind blowing. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. Um, if it would still looked like, well, it's kind of like it's nuts that like the um, Kickstarter was set off in 2012. You, it's like one and a half console generations ago. Yeah. Like it's back when we were all playing PS3 and 360. Right, and like the, the tech needs to evolve alongside. Mm. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, it's not gonna look like it needs to look for the current generation. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem they've been having across different things. But like, I mean, again, trying to make something that's both an FPS and, and a sandbox when it comes to space is incredibly difficult. Mm. You're dealing with completely different physics, different world, different scenarios. If you're trying to do it all without changing what module you're in. It, again, the tech for that is completely different. And we saw with Eve Online and Dust 514 how ridiculously hard it is to even link those two things together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's kind of a, it's a minor miracle that they've managed yeah. to even get the single player stuff sorted regardless of when they start linking it up with everybody else yeah and that leads you to the next question uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. we did have another question it was yeah there's the general I was going to just say what do, um, what do you think they should do next or what do you think they'll do next in terms of like they have a little bit of buzz again now because something Star Citizen related is being attached to the word finished and so it's like <laughs> do they finally just put that out and try and get that out um, get the story things out there and have more positive reception or buzz around that and then work on the other half or do we just is it another 10 years or 5 years or whatever it is until the, the whole thing is ready yeah I what think, do you think they'll do I think that they need to work out their, I mean, they need to work out their pricing and how they're going to do that. Mm. Um, like, it sounds super boring, but the uh, the end of the day, when this thing comes out, if they're going to run it like live service, then they're going to have to work out how they're going to keep making money after that yeah. point. Um it's like a weird, like mythological release at this point. Like it's been in, yeah. it's been in um, Kickstarter, or whatever, like production for so long that it's. Like, I think it is the longest running Kickstarter, like in gaming, anyway. Probably. Like it feels like it. It definitely has like the the general sort of reputation of just being this like big monolithic thing. Yeah. Um. Like there were so many of them for a time. Like Last Guardian, Shenmue Three, Final yeah. Fantasy Seven Remake. They all came true, and then this was the thing that still just were waiting to see how the hell it finally emerges. I just hope gamers behave. Like I just hope. <laughs> like no, I really do because mm-hmm. like I. I, I the, the thing that would suck more than anything else is that it, it comes out and people are like, I put all my money into this and it's not mm. what I wanted it to be. Um, but if you've been following it and you've been playing all the different little releases, then you know roughly where it should be. Right. I worry about people who did back it like 10 years ago or whatever and then have come back to it and I've gone, oh, this isn't what you promised me at all. I want my mm. money back. And then like the massive pains that come with people wanting to do that and, and what the community team is going to have to, as a community professional, what the community team there has had to go through and will have to go through. Yeah, navigating that, especially across, like I said, over like a one and a bit generations of consoles, the expectations yeah. that change over that time. Um, like, yeah, not to sort of like spotlight the worst takes on the planet, but I did see someone sharing <laughs> uh, something about the new Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, um, saying, oh my God, it's not remotely interactive. You can't go and get a slice of pizza from the um, vendor. You can't yeah. be walk into this building. It's like, that's kind of missing the point. I think that it is interesting though, in regards to Kickstarter, or Kickstarter, um, that idea of the game they're selling you, the like invest in this thing, this idea that we have, and it's not remotely together yet. And then, like, but we're going to get there over time. Then trying to manage that over time is must be over like a Herculean task. I think depth is different for everybody as well mm. when it comes to a, a, the depth of a sandbox. Like, do you want like a, a million different planets to go to, aka No Man's Sky, or do you want to be able to go to a planet and pick an apple off a tree? Right. Both of these have completely different scopes. One of these is going to really upset an animator. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> one, of these, one of these completely changes the development pipeline of what you need to do and who mm. you need to hire and what you need to program and for how many different iterations and um, skyboxes you need to make something Mm -hmm. happen or make a world happen or make something load Mm -hmm. um and again i just think that's something that not a lot of people that haven't hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gone into games development, think about when it comes to like, okay, no. you know, like picking up a pizza is actually a kind of a massive deal. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really like like the biggest, like one of my favorite things, Um, I forget who it is, a narrative designer says like, he just like had on the notes, um, takes takes his watch out of a bag and like it shut up an entire development team because they went bad. I was just say the whole material of the bag, bag? yeah. Like you, you want to take something out of a bag, like, what, like, <laughs> and, like and literally the whole the whole studio was just in flames because like, well, we, narrative designer said take something out of a bag. Yeah, it just like completely changes the scope of an entire like d- development cycle. I remember like, we mentioned dreams before, but it's like one of the things <laughs> that they walk you through is the fact the idea of giving an object from one hand to another, like a character passes something to another character. Oh, that yeah. can be a big thing in itself. Yeah, I um, mean for the longest time. It's Especially if you go back to older games, you can see it snap from one hand to the next or something. Yeah. Um, and that was like a whole thing that I feel like the likes of Naughty Dog and Uncharted and Last of Us really pioneered this idea of like really fluid animation kind of things like that. Yeah. And motion capture helped too. But yeah, even the smallest things can, um, <laughs> like you said, the average person maybe doesn't realize how much of a big deal. And I don't know, I don't know that either. But yeah. I think that's all part of that conversation on what experience did you sell? And then um, what do people invest in and how much did they invest and how long feature, it goes on for? creep. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, if it's lots of, you're going to be able to do this, you're going to be able to have eight different levels the jackets at one time and you're gonna, you know all, all of this stuff like it, it sounds just like a fun thing to have or like mm. if we get eight million we're gonna, you're going to be able to to have a cat or whatever it is like, yeah. but you, you, the the result of that is is again like how many features you're going to have to say yes or no to during a cycle and what things actually ship with again mm-hmm. it's going to have to be completely different to what actually gets made I think it must be hard as well if you're on the uh, the campaign side of things where it's like well we're, we want to grant this dream a sense of life or whatever and it's like well people are up for this idea so we might as well say yes to all these different things and then see how out of control it gets. That's more of the Peter Molyneux approach or it seemed to be the approach for Goddess and then you things get they. sliced down over time. Yeah. And I remember at CCP one of our like uh, our little mottos was say no to features right? because it, we literally had it on t-shirts right. because we wouldn't get, it, you know, depending on how big, an exp- especially if you're dealing with live service when it comes to shipping expansions where mm. they're all either about content or about bug fixing. I mean, like, and, and being able to spearhead the fact that this is a quality of life update as opposed to a feature update, which is now a thing, but wasn't a thing back mm-hmm. then. Um, being able to say no to how many different features you put in a thing is, is pretty much what keeps studios afloat when it comes to multiple patches and being mm. able to iterate on content and make that content good if the last patch was broken or if something needs balancing or especially in space games where so much of it involves uh, ship balancing and weapons mm. balancing. That's, I mean, if, if your game is basically about ship balancing and warfare and being able to fight with your ships, ship balancing becomes a huge part of what you <laughs> need to do and a huge part of what people will get upset about because that's how they 
lose their items and that eventually becomes what they care about the most. Because mm-hmm. if you've put, and, and, and in this case, if you've spent like a hundred bucks on a ship and you lose it. Yeah, yeah. And that was because something was balanced weird on the other ship or you feel like a game designer balanced that other ship weird so you've lost your stuff at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You are going to feel a lot more passionate about that than if it was just something you had for free. Oh, yeah. I remember when, um, and we'll move on from this like as an overall point because this is worth doing a whole podcast on yeah, like the sure. general, the realities of game design and things like that. Ah. And we can always do some Q&As from uh, the community and people who are listening as well because I think everyone has questions about the realities of how games come together um, and we can at least talk like around some of the, the areas that those things involve. Um, but yeah, that whole idea of how complex a game is. I remember when mm. Fallout 76, actually, I think it was back when Fallout 4 was coming out. And um, uh, Dave Lang from Iron Galaxy was talking on Giant Bomb on their podcast and just talking about how every game has a, a matrix of all these different parts that all interact with each other. And a Bethesda game's matrix is exponentially more complex yes. than, than like a 2D platformer or something. And he's like, one of those little nodes on that, let's say, call it a matrix, changes, um, but everything has to interact with everything else. And it's like trying to get all of that to knit together. It's like, it's a small miracle that Bethesda's game work at all let alone like the reputation that they have kind of thing like that's I love pro- that's a good producer as well. yeah yeah and it's like yeah exactly and it's like trying to like um, yeah get those things over the finish line um, and then polish a bit more later but yeah we'll do more on this stuff um, going forward because I think like I think the whole thing is like fascinating anyway um, one news item though is Assassin's Creed um, Insider Gaming reporting that the first details on Assassin's Creed Red the first game set in feudal Japan um, the artwork for that game has leaked alongside some character details um, two playable characters one is a female shinobi the other is a male African samurai apparently based on a real life samurai called Yasuke. Um, Insider Gaming also notes that Assassin's Creed Red uh, will still focus on stealth, which is interesting because Assassin's Creed Mirage was kind of like a, a um, return to the, like, how AC1 was. Like, yeah. I really like Mirage, but it literally is 2007's Assassin's Creed with some of the things they learned from the, the games in the early 2010s. Um, but yeah, Insider Gaming say that you'll be able to extinguish torches, um, stick to the shadows, conceal bodies. Um, it seems like a general stealth focus. So that's interesting as like Assassin's Creed over the years, they sort of had the big Witcher trilogy of um, you know, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. What a time! What a time! To I know, be like alive. I like I'm weird with it, where I'm just like I love the Assassin, the original Assassin's Creeds, like so much, and like I like that grounded feel, and I really like Mirage for it as well. Um, but it was always that thing of the reality of Mirage being based off a DLC. That like, is this just a one-off, or does this actually re-steer the ship? Is this what we end up going with? Um, what do you think? Think about all that stuff. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm, um, mm. I think there's certain things people do want from an Assassin's Creed game and rewriting it isn't necessarily the, the greatest thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it sounds weird, but I, I trust... There's a lot of things I don't trust about that studio, but that's that's for a different podcast. <laughs> the, the, the being able to make a good Assassin's Creed game, I trust that they do that well mm-hmm. and they know why people want to play and they know what makes that fun yeah and we all know what the th- what physics in that game is fun and what why we enjoy playing it and what the loop the gameplay loops are in that game that make it feel rewarding and cool mm-hmm. and the fact that they are so good at world building and creating these incredible scenes to to make this stuff happen around and i think mm-hmm. that i trust them to do what they need to do i think that if you know if they want to experiment with different bits and gameplay if either when they, they want to stick to the way things were I'm, I'm not fast. I think yeah. that it's going to be amazing regardless and they create useful stories. That's kind of my thing is the, the historical accuracy side of it. Like I hadn't heard, I'd vaguely heard of Yasuke, but I don't know anything about like his story or whatever. So I, I'm yeah. curious about that. And then the general gameplay side of things, I like, I want that return to stealth. I feel like the stealth genre is so barely populated right now. Like across yeah. the last few years, like a dedicated stealth game. Um, you've got Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, and I forget the name of the Xbox games where you play as the girl and his brother, her brother. 
I'm completely like Plague Tale. Uh, um, yeah. Both of those are like dedicated stealth games where you're creating distractions and taking people out and things like that. And it's like, they're just so rare. Like apparently we're getting a Splinter Cell remake and that might kick off other stuff. Um, but it feels like stealth games in general are just, stealth is mostly just go hide in the tall grass. That tends <laughs> to just be what stealth is um, these days. And I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm up for a bit of a revival of the stealth genre. I'll see what we can do with it anyway. Experimenting with the genre could be really interesting. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if like stealth games become like the new battle royale and it becomes like the mm. thing that everybody wants to do? I think if streamers, again, we're living in an age of stream, streaming, right? In this, mm-hmm. the, the age of the streaming the influencer. The age of the streamer. And we know that horror games work really well with this stuff. Like if you look at the, the Dead by Daylight community, and how much, you know, hiding from things and running things mm. around, how fun that is to watch. I think that's a, a, a thing that when the first Ask Creed, I keep saying Ask Creed, but I just, I'm so used <laughs> to saying it now. I'm sorry, guys. That's fine. Um, I, I think that, you know, when 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 the first lot came out, you know, it, what is it like to watch wasn't really something that got brought into question. But no, true. perhaps with the, with new stealth, it's going to become more of a thing. And I think that if 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 they, Anubi will, because they're great with influences and with community. Like, mm-hmm. I think if they work with community members to really show how playing stealth can be super rewarding and fun to watch. Um, I think that that can be really interesting because I think a lot of the time for stealth, it's very much in your own brain and you're thinking about, I need to do this, I need to do this. It's yeah. not necessarily the most bombastic thing to to watch, mm-hmm. um, but it could be. And That's a really good, I never even thought of it from that point of view. Like, yeah, the idea of trying to, because it is a very intense genre, like you should be behind enemy lines trying to figure out a, way, a different path through this um, series of enemies or That's something. That's theatrical. Like the, yeah. the, whole, the whole tension of that is, is really interesting as opposed to, we're just going to go in and shoot. We're just going to go and shoot. Hi, oh, hi, oh, please sub, <laughs> sub, sub, subscribe. Yeah, shout out to whoever, toast, toast, toast. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the, it's a very different thing to be like, okay, we're going to go around here. We're going to go around mm-hmm. and do this. You know, like I, I, I think there's something interesting in that and something something theatrical in mm-hmm. that, um, that I don't think gets touched on a lot, but I think you have to, I think streamers have to clock onto that mm-hmm. and to make that fun. And I, I yeah, I'd just be, I'd, I think it's interesting now when new gameplay mechanics get brought in to work out what actually works when it comes to marketing things to communities mm-hmm. versus, because uh, I mean, the Assassin's Creed fans are going to play it regardless. How do you innovate to bring in a new audience or how do you innovate mm. to make that audience want to stick with something because you're showing them something or making them feel something they haven't felt before? Yeah, plus like this is the most fan requested location ever. Like everyone always wanted them to do like a shinobi based Assassin's Creed, yes. something set in feudal Japan. I remember way back in, was it 2012 or 2011 for Black Flag? And um, one of the pieces of artwork that's behind the woman that's at the desk in Abstergo has one of the shards that comes off the artwork shows like a, what looks like a feudal <laughs> Japanese temple. I remember back then being like, oh my God, are they going to do this next? Um, so we've been waiting a long time. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where Assassin's Creed for me, like having grown up and played all of them, like I'm always curious what they do next i've managed to play every single one of them so even though i've had a weird back and forth kind of love of them there are a set of core mechanics there that i I really always just want them to keep refining um as like a splinter cell metal gear stealth kid i kind of want them to do more of that stuff (laughs) metal Um, stealth kid so we'll see speaking of metal gear um yeah the master collections out today this is just something i was going to just quickly touch on in terms of a a general um conversation on on the way you want game studios to bring back the classics do we want them to do the resident evil 2s do the final fantasy 7s remake it and entirely or try and port stuff and just make that game available is that enough because the master collection is a really interesting um approach to this where you've they've just ported the old games um in some cases they're worse but it's very very buggy and a lot of the game subtitles are um off like some of them are um, spelt wrong and there's some stuff with um the original metal gear Solid. when you play the new version apparently it takes about 10 15 seconds to pause and unpause little things like that that apparently will get patched um but ideally that would just be a series of those old games made available which is personally all that i want i don't need 
need you spending all this money remaking something. Right. I just want I just want the library available. So that's that's where I am on game preservation. I just wish there was the Amazon Prime approach of just give me this endless archive of stuff, um, <laughs> and I just want to be able to play those things. But what, what do you want from your old things being made new again? Uh, I'm again a big believer in if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, However, I really like what they did with Monkey Island. So, oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, I be able click to, a button and go yeah, between the old and new between. visuals. Yeah. So if I miss it, I can go back. And mm-hmm. if I can't, but I mean, aren't we being a bit like a bit needy here, Scott? Like, I feel like <laughs> a, no, but like we are. Like, we got we got to remember we're a certain age now. Where, uh-huh. You know, we're like, but I want it to look like it did. It's when got to I look was, like it did when I was young. When I was young, it took eight minutes to load, and now <laughs> it's straight straight in there. And you know, I. We, we are not the, the focus of, of the game's world anymore. And well, we should be. I know, I know. But, the, the you know, I, I think that, you know, make more games in that world. I don't, I, I don't think you need to remake games. I think if you want to do, uh, if you want to digitally remaster something, like, I mean, like, I don't have a problem. Like, is it, I mean, this is the Star Wars argument. Do you, mm. you know, like, you know, when, when they added aliens to Star Wars and everyone went bonkers about it and, like, that's not my Star Wars or what, you know. Aliens? Like, oh, the, um, the, the little the CGI, tiny one. Yeah, the CGI. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking. Everyone, everyone knows <laughs> it's like, like aliens were always in Star No, they, yes, yeah. I know what you mean. But like they added a bunch and there's yeah, stuff yeah. there, and it's like you know that's not there. You know that there wasn't that there when I was watching it as a kid, and mm-hmm. they changed the bits, and then they you know patch in the, an actor from the new one into the old one, and Put like, another rock in front of R two. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and you know you know there's stuff there where it's like uh, from a, from a dramaturgical perspective. Scott. Very nice. Um, you we know, haven't got enough dramaturgical surgical perspectives. Well, I have a master's in dramaturgy, around these so parts. you know yeah. I, you know that's that's what. I do. Bust it out, mate. Yeah, no, I am. This is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, you know, from from that perspective, there's definitely an argument to should you be able to. Can I swear on this show? Uh, no, you can't. You can find a hilarious word to replace it with. Should though. I be able to mess with old games? There you go. Um, because I want to show off what new tech can be made. Mm-hmm. Um, or should that game be preserved for you know what it was, what it is, and and how like at the time this was a huge piece of tech that was amazing, mm. like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That should never be digitally. I feel like that should be digitally remastered because it was incredible for the time and still looks great. I'd be really right. pissed if they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that should happen unless it's done respectfully. Mm-hmm. I think if it's about fixing bugs or fixing things that didn't quite work, then absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, have things available, have everything available if you've got a back catalogue of stuff that isn't problematic or, you know, for whatever, <laughs> whatever reason. Then, for then me, it's, it's just the availability of it. Like, um, yeah, of you can course. you can do the remake, you can make it more ap- approachable for like, or, or change things for a new audience. But just like, I want to be able to play Burnout 3. Like, oh I want to be able goodness. to go, you know, Def Jam 5 New York, why is that not available on like some sort of archival service? And I think that's always something where the industry seems like it would rather remake it and charge you more for the remake. Or um, in the case of the Masters um, collection for Metal Gear, it's still £50 for the original, you know, versions of those games. And they are like, they're just ported across. In some cases, they run a bit worse or they have more issues with the um, I, some of the bugs and stuff. I mean, I think ports are underestimated when it comes to how valuable that mm. can be. There is a bunch of games on PlayStation that I wish would come over to PC. Mm-hmm. Um, just gorgeous storytelling that we're missing, like absolute classics that we're missing on PC and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, that would, you know, like, like <laughs> again, this is a game where it doesn't cost anything to port. Yes, it does. It costs, <laughs> a, it costs a bunch of money to port. And there's got to be a good enough reason for it. And again, this goes back to boardrooms where you've got to make the ROI point about what's actually going to make money if mm. we port something over. This is going to require this many people this many graphic artists this meant this much tech research redubbing whatever it is mm-hmm. reanimation new animation 
you know, what is the ROI on that? Are we going to get the same people who bought it 10 years ago buying it again? Or is this going to mm. bring in a new audience or what that actually, what that bottom line actually is? Mm-hmm. You can talk about whether or not you can or should or, or you want, but it, it it comes down to what what the point is from a business perspective from that studio mm-hmm. um, rather than just like, I want, I want, you know, this game, but I want it to look good now. So my nephew will play it with me. <laughs> you know, I want Bug Hunter. You just know, give me Bug Soul Hunter Reaver. Was, Bug Hunter was great on PC. Bring it back, bring it, make it 3D. It doesn't, <laughs> none of the gameplay needs or professor moriarty none of the gameplay needs to change from professor moriarty Mm -hmm. just make it look like something my nephew wants to play with me and then i get to play professor moriarty again you know like you know the i i I get the the want for that and you know it would refresh old games but i i think that there has to be more success cases of why studios benefit from doing that i mean when i um, was looking at to talk to ed boone like he mentioned not they haven't done a shower monks sequel or anything just yet because they wanted to um you know add co-op or something like that to sort of modernize it it's quarter two. Okay, well, uh, we will wrap. Um, I'm going to wrap this podcast a little bit early because we've got things going on, Stevie. All sorts of things left, right, and center. Very busy and important. Very, very busy oh, and important. But this has been The Wind Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Stevie Ward. Bye. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.